Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast, a podcast which is part of now the Truth Be Known Ministries. And speaking of Truth Be Known Ministries, we really just launched that ministry at the recent G3 conference. And so today we have with us one of the other board members. And by the way, all of our board members are pastors. And so uh, we have Toby Logsdon with us. Uh, good to have you on, brother. Why don't you, uh, for those who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about a little bit about where you're ministering, your your church, and whatever other information you want to share, and then we'll jump right into our topic after that. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I'm uh, a pastor of uh, New Beginnings Church in Linwood, Washington. I've been here about 13 years, and uh, we're just a small church in the Seattle suburbs. Um, you know, I'm 20, 25 minutes from downtown Seattle. Uh, not a um, not a not a long drive down there at all. Uh, so I'm right in the heart of very progressive uh, country, <laughs> a very progressive part of uh, the, our country. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm a Reformed Baptist, and uh, I got my MDiv at Southern Evangelical Seminary uh, under Norman Geisler. Um, and after that, I spent a couple of years planting a church in Arkansas. Uh, three years into that, uh, we we got called to move up here and and pastor up here. So I've been here for yeah, just just short of thirteen years. Yeah, that's awesome, brother. I love to hear of faithful churches and ministries in dark places. That's the, those are places we need believers. So thank you for your work there, and uh, we'll continue to pray for you there. Well, today we've got a really great topic. Um, it, it, we're going to talk about true Christian strength, and maybe we'll title this episode Strength and Piety, um, or maybe we'll title it Strength in Piety. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion about what constitutes um, Christian godly man's strength in Christianity, what constitutes a godly man and what constitutes um, real Christian strength in godly men. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around the word piety, um, what it means. Is it good to be uh, a, a, a pietist? Is it good to be a pi pietistic? Is it good to have piety? Um, what's the difference between piety and pietism? And so maybe we'll just kind of talk about all of those things. Um, but before we let you kind of you guys kind of jump in with commentary. Um, I, I want to just read a few passages from Scripture to to sort of set the scene, uh, and maybe you guys will go back to them, or or maybe we'll go to other verses. But the point I really want to make is all throughout Scripture, there's an emphasis on our growth in spirituality and Christ likeness, and it's never, not even once tied to physical strength. Um, it's not tied to strength training. There's illustrations used in scripture, of course, um, but the, the whole focus and, and point uh, of, of scripture and Paul's epistles, particularly uh, concerning our growth and maturity has to do with our spiritual growth. Um, so just a couple of those, I mean, listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, one through three. Now, this is very interesting because he's actually labeling the Corinthians as being worldly, right? This is professing believers, and he's saying, you guys are worldly. He says, and I, brothers, was not able to speak to you as spiritual men, but as to fleshly men, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are still not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Uh, interesting passage, and we'll come back to that. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, uh, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul again here writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ 
until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the full knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs in the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. So, so far, all spiritual focused. Hebrews, for if everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature who, because of the practice, have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. Hebrews 5, 13, 14. Then just one last one, 2 Corinthians seven, uh, chapter 12, 7 through 10. Because of the surpassing greatness of revelation, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and hardships for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here you have Paul boasting about his weakness, which, by the way, God gave him because of his great knowledge. And so um, while we're just kind of maybe ruminating on those things, uh, we've got, um, I think, Morris Brooks is trying to join us. So for those of you listening uh, let, let's just get him connected real quick here, and then we'll carry on. Morris, are you are you with us, brother? I'm here, bud. Well, awesome. Um, Morris, before we move on, uh, why don't we just introduce you a little bit? So uh, Morris Brooks is another pastor. Um, he's in a transition stage right now, but he's another pastor who's a board member of the Truth Be Known Ministries. Uh, Morris, why don't you just tell us just a little bit about where you've been serving? I, I, I know you're in transition, um, seeing where the Lord would lead you to pastor next, but uh, tell us a little bit about where, where you've been serving and what the Lord's uh, where the Lord's got you at the moment. Well, where I've been serving, I was uh, been obviously teaching and training pastors for a number of years, was pastor to church uh, for a number of years, bivocationally. Uh, then uh, my, I was working full-time and doing that, so my wife and I realized that uh, back in 2016, the toilet was, toilet was taking on our family for me to be doing two, two full-time jobs, and so uh, we stepped down, and since then, I've been doing pulpit supply, just recently finished a uh, 26-month interim, uh, uh, which was supposed to be two to four months. Uh, wound up being 26 months, so I'm in the process now of uh, uh, looking for uh, a church to serve full-time. Amen. Well, it's good to have you on, brother. So as you well know, we're talking about um, true Christian strength and piety. Um, we just got finished reading a bunch of passages that really kind of emphasize the need to grow, not in physical strength, but rather to... Right grow in uh, in our spirituality so let, let me just open it up to 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 you guys any initial commentary uh from from you guys on those passages uh what, what comes to my mind um, was the armor of god in ephesians 6 right so i mean paul in ephesians 6 verse 10 and he uses strength language finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might he's actually using three different greek words to emphasize strength and power but the emphasis is not upon our strength, the emphasis is upon the strength of the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then, of course, as he goes on to define all the elements of the armor of God, these are elements that have spiritual truth to them. And nowhere in here, does it say that the armor of God requires you to go and work out and do a number of chest presses or or deadlifts or, or anything like that? This is about spiritual maturity, growing in our understanding of the Word, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. 
Yeah, my thought on that is, you know, there is a type of um, manliness or, you know, uh, a biblical or a a definition of manhood that's out there that is not biblical, Um, a a worldly ideology of, you know, what it means to be a man. And if you want to know what that looks like, all you need to do is check out some of the magazines in the checkout line, uh, you know, at the grocery store. Uh, you know, look look at the magazines that are you know showing you what they think men should look like, and so it becomes a real problem when Christians start taking that, taking the the stuff that you see at the checkout counter. Um, I call it meathead manliness because that's really all it is. It's just focused on the physical, the the body, the appearance. Uh, you know what one is physically able to do and. Um, the fact that you find absolutely no support for that whatsoever in Scripture, it's really troubling when people start emphasizing and confusing and conflating uh, the two and, and emphasizing the worldly kind of manliness. Now, it, it, so let me just ask you guys, because here is where some of these men would say, oh, well, I mean, you're you're just so concerned about the the spiritual stuff. You're just a pietist, right? You're you're just a pietist, and it 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 sounds like it's a really negative thing. But I mean, as uh, as you brought up, you get to the end of Ephesians, and Paul is actually saying that to overcome evil, we have to put on a type of armor. And although he likens it to physical armor, he's talking about spiritual armor here. So, well, how do we respond? How do we help help people understand um, the, the difference between this kind of worldly thing and dealing with the accusations of, you know, being pious uh, would, would be the word. Are are we supposed to be pious? I mean, is uh, you know, are we are we supposed to maybe kind of uh, do half and half? You know, you pick up the magazine, you go work out uh, 30 reps, you post it on Twitter so that everyone knows you worked out, um, and, and then you go read your Bible. Is that how this works? I mean, my opinion is, you know, name-calling, number one, is is just childish, right? Uh, the fact that you that they have to resort to calling you a pietist, that, that alone tells me something. Um but no, the the two guides that that we have, we have the scriptures and we have the the spirit, right? And we need to understand that the the scriptures and the spirit have uh, have have been at work for two thousand years in helping uh, men to understand what it means to be a godly man. And so you can look at a book like Thomas Watson's book called uh, "A Godly Man's Picture." And he actually has a whole chapter in that book, chapter 22, called A Godly Man is Thoroughly Trained in Piety. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that Thomas Watson was a, a very biblically uh, based, very, um, very gospel centered, uh, if I can use that term, uh, author and pastor. Uh, I would say he has a lot more credibility than somebody who uses piety or pietist as just kind of a, a slur to, um, to 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 answer, you know, to anybody who talks back to them or, or questions them. You know, and Toby, you, you said something interesting before we start recording, and we were talking about piety, pietism, pietist, and I think there's some a lot of misunderstanding about those terms. Can can you help us think through that a little bit? Yeah, you know, we were talking about the fact that it is important to make a distinction between piety, which is a good thing, and pietism, which is not a good thing. Uh, piety is, uh, you know, striving to walk in obedience to the Lord, right? Striving yeah. to walk in a manner that's uh, worthy of the calling that we've been given. Uh, walking like Jesus, right? Uh, whereas pietism uh, the emphasis is really on our works and keeping our eyes on ourselves and examining ourselves. And then again, that's that's not to say that examining ourselves is bad. There does come a time when you know we we should examine ourselves, but there has to come a time when we take our eyes off of ourselves and say, you know, my righteousness is not enough, and look to Christ and say only Christ's righteousness is sufficient. The the person who is uh, you know the, the the whole idea of pietism is focusing on the self, 
which ironically is pretty similar to what a lot of those voices um, that are that are using that term are doing. Well, as we're talking about, as we're talking about spiritual maturity here, I just think that just the juvenile, the juvenile name calling to me, if that doesn't stand out immediately to people, it, it should. You know, we're talking about being spiritually mature, uh, controlling your tongue, controlling your spirit, and just the fact that they feel like they can just start throwing names and, and labels out there like that in, in a derogatory way that automatically to me just tells me they're not spiritually mature. And I, and and we and we continue to see that, right, in from many different avenues of uh, social media. Yeah, and actually contrary to the idea of having physical strength, uh, two of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians, gentleness and self-control. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and if you really think about it, it, to me, the most spiritually mature person was Jesus Christ. Right. You know, you look at the, you look at the self-control that he exercised being the creator of the universe, the ultimate power. We saw all the things he did with his miracles. And yet you saw people spitting on him, deriding him, calling him names. Uh, come down from the cross if you can save yourself, the, all the torment and brutal punishment he went through. And yet you saw all of the self-restraint. And uh, one of the things that, again, stood out, stood out to me with that is if you look at, uh, go to the Beatitudes, those, every Beatitude that's listed there is, is really a mark of a true believer. And one of us talks about being gentle, the word praus in the Greek. Well, praus means a tamed spirit. Okay, that is reverent toward God and restrains itself with men. That's the whole concept of that. It's the picture of a of a of a giant stallion, but able to be led by a toddler with with nothing but a rope. Well, that's that's true spiritual strength. And uh, the issue in the church today, and I think one reason why uh, this let's go work out for Christ is gaining so much traction is that there's just a lack of spiritual maturity made a desire for godliness uh and that that's so prevalent in evangelicalism right and it's not just with one it's not one particular group within an evangelical it, it covers the whole spectrum of evangelicalism and and just a lack of the knowledge of god and what really true godliness should look like you brought yeah, up a good so point there uh, yeah, in some ways, I I think this is <clears throat> sorry. In some ways, I think this is this is an overcorrection to culture because, for instance, in recent years, we've seen pictures of people like Harry Styles dressing up in dresses and stuff like that, and this uh, that the trans movement and and men uh, some in, in many ways culture trying to effeminize men, uh, which is definitely an anti God movement. Um, but we see an overcorrection where we think that the solution is to work out and be manly and be rough and be outdoorsy and all that stuff. And not to say that none of those th those things are bad. They're not. Um, but when we even even when we look back to the Old Testament and think about the examples that we have, for instance, David and Goliath. Uh, Goliath was the bigger of the two, but David won out. Why? Because of his of his faith in God. And even when you think about the Mosaic Law and the blessings and the curses to the nation of Israel. Um, God told them, look, if you obey me, you're going to have safety from your enemies. And he said, you're going to be small in number and be able to chase off people much greater in number, right? And thinking about, about the deliverance from Egypt, it was God that gave them deliverance uh, from the Egyptians. So even if you were to go back into the Old Testament, this is not this is not us unhitching from the Old Testament. Um, I believe that's always been the emphasis. Now, if someone is a warrior, someone is a soldier, um, yeah, you do have a responsibility to, to strength, to, to working out. But when you think about Jesus Christ and his disciples, you don't hear any time there where Jesus, when he's teaching the disciples, that he's not focused on anything other than understanding the reality of the kingdom of God and, and the gospel and the, the need for repentance, right? I mean, that's that's always been the the focus and that's the that's what we see from the apostles starting from the book of acts as the church starts and we see from all the letters going out we just don't see an emphasis upon spiritual strength right and do you well what's more attract what will attract someone to christ will it be your muscles or will it, or will it be your christ likeness i mean if you're it, isn't that what we're I mean, we talk about adorning the gospel 
you know, making the gospel attractive. Well, I've never met anybody who says, you know, I, I really came to, uh, I really want to come to your church because so-and-so in my office has big muscles and, and works out. I mean, <laughs> I, I've never heard that, but what I have heard is that I, I saw their example. I saw Christ yeah. in them. I sure. saw them having something that I knew I did not have. That is gospel attractiveness. When it's the life of Christ, the aroma sure. of Christ that's being that's being manifested in you and through you in, in whatever environment you're in. And, and, and we're supposed to do that. That, that, that's part of our calling as Christians. In fact, I was, you were mentioning, uh, the spirit of the, uh, a spiritual armor a minute ago, Eki, but there's this great prayer in Colossians 1 that Paul prays for the Colossians. And, and starting with verse, he goes, I'm praying that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every respect, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And that goes on to say, strengthened with all power. In fact, in the, in the, there's a word play in the Greek there. It literally means empowered with all power for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. So so there's a the, the power that we have, the spiritual power we have, again, is to what is to exude the presence of Christ to to grow in Christ's likeness and to portray that no matter what the circumstances are. You know, I think one of the things that we need to to bring up whenever we're having this kind of discussion about biblical manhood is the fact that Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of what a biblical yeah. man looks like. Right. And so the more right. the more we resemble Christ in our attitudes, uh the more we imitate Christ and uh, the way that that he was uh, and is, um, you know, he he's still meek. You know, he's still, uh, you know, yeah. the same Jesus that he was when when he walked the earth, right? Um, right. So it, the more that we resemble Jesus, uh, the closer we get to looking like a biblical man. The other thing that I want to bring up, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, was what about men who cannot? Uh, physically, you know, get big and, and and broad or buff. You know, what about men who have some type of injury or some type of disease that prevents them from uh, physical strength? What do you do with guys like that? If, if you say, uh, well, then you're not a biblical man. Well, what a ridiculous idea, right? But if you say, okay, well, we're going to make an exception for this man. As soon as you start making exceptions, you're starting to say, okay, this isn't a necessary component of it. And if it's not a necessary component of it, okay, well, how important is it really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, that just makes me think of Justin Peters. I mean, if you look at somebody who I think is a, a you know, a, a strong, strong person in the Lord that's accomplishing great things for the Lord, I, who can't, who's not able to go lift weights and run and do all the other kind of stuff, it, it would be just. Yeah. 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 yeah and you know what's Jesus interesting? Christ, Oh, go ahead, Nathaniel. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, it's interesting that what do you do with Jacob? Because God took his strength away. You know, I mean, he's yeah. wrestling with an angel. Angel touches his hip and he's done. Right. Um, and, and so it's just we see all these um, all, all all these things in Scripture where it de-emphasizes. I mean, really, it does de-emphasize um, any emphasis on just human strength right in various ways all throughout scripture um good point with goliath uh right i mean he would have been the stronger quote-unquote man between him and david um it, but yeah. then you know sometimes we just forget historical context right i mean think about when in the new testament when these books are being written right i mean the, the apostles rome was all around um gladiators were undoubtedly all uh, around um, games were there. Paul even references the games, right? Um, and yet, in a world where um, men very much would have valued physical strength, um, the ability to uh, be keen with a weapon, um, be able to use those things. I mean, uh, the gladiators, right? For instance, in that world, we get the apostles writing things like the fruits of the Spirit. Writing things like Ephesians chapter six, um, I, I actually just want to read that Galatians passage uh, before we kind of move on. I, I think you brought that up, Toby. Um, you, you go to Galatians five is where that was, starting at nineteen. It says now the deeds of the flesh are evident, and I think we need to hear this. 
which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. We can very much idolize human strength, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envious, uh, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who per practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and says, you know, there's a whole different um, character in nature besides this fleshly stuff. And he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. Let us not become boastful challenging one another, envying one another. I mean, that characterizes a, a, an entire um, conversation that's out in, in kind of the broader, you know, worldwide web. Um, and I think it really sums up. And basically, you know, what we're trying to help people see is that not that um, taking care of your body is bad. Nobody is saying that, right? No one's right. saying you shouldn't lift weights. You shouldn't run in the morning, it, you know, whatever you want to do, do it. It's fine. We're not saying that, um, you know, there's no benefit in that. But what we are saying is that there should never be some sort of um, heavy emphasis when we're talking about biblical manhood on personal strength. Yeah. And, he, and Paul even says that <clears throat> spiritual fitness is of little benefit. You didn't say it's of no benefit, but he said it's of little benefit in comparison to spiritual um, be, being spiritually strong. And and I think the example that is often brought up when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ is him clearing the temple, right? I mean, he cleared the temple, uh, but when you, and they, they'll point to that and say, see, there, there's a show of physical strength and we must, uh, we, we must seek to model that ourselves. But a couple of things. One, Jesus Christ wasn't in the gym three hours a day being prepared for that moment, right? And, and what really drove him was not to just demonstrate physical strength. What really drove him was the holiness of God, um, that the house of God, the the holiness of God that should be that should be revered in in the temple of God, and so that that's a, an example of of just desiring what being zealous for God Himself and and the holiness of His name, and and that's the one instance where we see Jesus Christ really being physical um, in, in His actions. But again, think about the motive. Think think about what's leading up to that, and and think about this also. Again, he he wasn't in the gym three hours a day preparing for that moment, and he wasn't speaking to the disciples that they have to be ready to do the same thing. That's just what happens when someone is overcome by the holiness of God and is zealous for what God is zealous for. Keep in mind also, the temple was his. He was protecting yeah. what was his, uh, and he refers to it as being his temple right there in the context. So, uh, you know, the idea that uh, just because Jesus did this means that you know we should be able to do the same thing. Not so fast. Maybe if somebody comes into your house and starts abusing it. Yeah. The other thing to consider is, uh, you know, there were people in the Old Testament who approached God irreverently, and uh, God struck them dead for it. So Jesus yeah. was actually showing them mercy uh, mm -hmm. in in not striking them dead, uh, but in just clearing them out of the temple. Yeah. Nathaniel, you're on mute. I can do this. Um, it, <laughs> that's a good point. It, I want to talk about like, okay, so let's just talk about piety itself. We talked a little bit about the difference between pietism, I think, and, and piety. Um, living a pious life really is the goal of the Christian who is seeking to be faithful. Um, I, I mean, we have these little you know, simple commands uh, that are so easy, like in First Peter, it says, be holy, uh, because God's holy, yeah. Um, yeah. right? A little tongue in cheek, they're obviously not easy, but, um, and we, we, we don't pursue holiness because we're somehow trying to earn God's favor or earn his grace or keep our salvation 
No, it, it quite the contrary. We, we strive for holiness because we have those things, right? Because we love Christ, because we want to be like Christ, um, because we want to walk as Christ walked. And, and so to to pursue piety is, is actually a very honorable and Christ-like thing. There was no one who was more pious than Christ. Um, and and I, I mean, just listen, you mentioned Thomas Watson earlier. Um, I don't know if I read this quote or, or already or not, but he says, serious piety is the best defense against wickedness. I mean, we have a whole group of people today who are trying to figure out how do we overcome the evil in our world? Well, one, ultimately, yeah. that's not going to be overcome until the return of Christ. But but two, here you have Thomas Watson, who's undeniably Christ-centered man, saying that serious piety is the best defense against wickedness. John Calvin, uh, he says the principles of the Proverbs of Solomon are piety, charity, justice, benevolence, and true prudence. They're Universal purity proves that they are the word of God. No one would accuse John Calvin or Thomas Watson of not being a real Christian man. Um, it, Charles Spurgeon. I don't think anyone in their right mind would accuse Charles Spurgeon um, of not being a real Christian man. And he was quite a rotund man. Uh, he, he obviously wasn't hitting the gym four days a week. But I don't think anyone would accuse him of not being a godly man. Um, and, you know, he says, the gifts which I feel I should crave beyond every other boon is holiness, pure and immaculate holiness. He also goes on to say, holiness is better than morality. It goes beyond it. Holiness affects the heart. Holiness respects the motive. Holiness regards the whole nature of man. Um, and, and so these are godly men who most people right, um, would look up to and recognize that though they were imperfect, they, they were striving to exhibit Christ-likeness in their life, in their preaching, and in their writing. And here we see um, a, a heavy recognition from them that piety is actually a very good thing. Yeah, and if we were to take this in a slightly different direction, um, just but related to that note, ask yourself the question, is godliness, does what we're talking about is this required for godliness, right? And and I think we're finding a lot of examples that men can be godly men without necessarily being physically strong. Now, I I know what the what the argument from the other side will be. The other argument from the other side will be it was like, well, we're not saying just to be strong, but we're saying that you shouldn't be ignoring one, uh, you know, because of the other. You, you shouldn't be saying that it's all about just being holy and all about being spiritually strong and knowing the word and and ignoring completely all that belongs to us physically. And to that, I would say that we are to be stewards of our body. All right, we we are to we are to take care of ourselves. I I would agree with that. Now, but does that mean to if someone is taking care of himself, does that mean that uh, they have to be in the gym for a number of hours? They have to have a certain amount of muscles. They have to be stronger than than other men around them. And I would argue, no, absolutely not. And and so yes, there there is stewardship that we have over our body, but that is not equal to the responsibility we have to be growing to have our mind renewed in Christ. Um, and I think that's very clear. I mean, when Paul says in First Corinthians sixteen, "Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong." I don't think there's any question that when he says act like men, be strong, he's not necessarily talking about physical strength. But everything that he's been teaching throughout the book of First Corinthians has all has all been about helping the Corinthians get out of this worldliness, right, and then start to think more godly in terms of their behavior, how they're doing spiritual gifts, the way they treat each other, um, the divisions that they, they've been bringing about, the um, their tolerance for sin that they shouldn't be tolerating, you know, those kinds of things. So we're not saying that it's a sin. We're not saying that you are not stewards of your body. We're not saying that it's not good for you to take care of your body. It is good for you to take care of your body, but don't draw a false equivalence between physical strength and spiritual strength. We are called and we are obliged to spiritual strength. Physical strength is a far distant second. Yeah, I, you know, we talked about earlier kind of this being a, a bit of an overreaction to, I think we would all agree, uh, society wise you know societally we see uh, effeminate generations of effeminacy in men that i've never seen in my lifetime 
Right. Um, and, and so I, I think we can recognize that we can recognize, um, you know, the impact of feminism, not just on uh, women, but on men. I mean, you have men who are claiming to be feminists, uh, the homosexual movement. Um, and by the way, when scripture uses the term effeminate, they're referring to homosexuality. So we, it, there should never, ever be a Christian who's labeling another brother in Christ as, as effeminate. Um, when we're thinking about those kind of things. I mean, it, it's slanderous. Uh, but when we think about just kind of this worldly effeminacy that we see, um, it, you know, kind of the blurring the lines between the, the roles of men and women in society, we, we acknowledge that. But I would argue that the way to overcome that is not to uh, hit the gym, right? That, that doesn't change anything. Um, y- you can y- You can be rough and tough and have an exterior that's pugnacious, that's not like a feminine woman, but that doesn't make you a godly man. It, it doesn't even, it doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, there are, uh, there are countless examples and I can't think of the guy's name, but there was a, some fighter or something that was super popular for a little while. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was drawing attention of a lot of young men uh, because he was bold and he was brash and um, I mean, the way he treated women was despicable. Um, I think he was an M- MMA fighter or something. Um, Is that him? And yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, 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 that's him. He's a kickboxer, um, I think. Okay. And so just use him as an example. I mean, he kind of embodies um, everything that a worldly vision of, of, of a real man might be, right? I mean, he's a trained fighter. He, obviously, he works out. Um, he's not afraid of what people think of him, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? The reality is, um, as as far as I know, um, the last time I saw an interview uh, by him, if he were to die right after that interview, he would face the judgment of God for all eternity. And so what kind of real man is that? Um, and, and so the answer to feminism and effeminacy in the generations that we have now is actually godly men, godliness. Holiness, yeah. piety, true biblical piety. That's the answer, I think, um, to what we're seeing, not beef up your muscles. I, I, thoughts on that, Toby? Because you kind of talked a, b- a little bit about that earlier, I think. Yeah, you know, actually, one of my closest friends is a former UFC fighter, um, John Copenhaver. And let me tell you, he he's, a, number one, he's a total pacifist now. Uh, he um, He's a born-again Christian. He's been walking with the Lord for six or seven years now, uh, and he's one of my closest friends. But if you want to talk about an example of somebody who who knows how to fight and yet is completely humble and completely meek, uh, he would be a very good example of that. Uh, you know, a biblical man doesn't feel like he has to prove anything physically. Uh, that That's just such a worldly ideology. And once upon a time, you know, that, that might have been you know, somebody like John Copenhaver, but, uh, but it's not now, you know, he, he once upon a time, maybe he felt like he uh, needed to prove something physically, but you know, he wasn't walking with the Lord. He wasn't a Christian at all uh, until six or seven years ago. So, uh, you know, the, the whole idea that, you know, you need to look like somebody like Andrew Tate. And, and I, I just know who he is. I've, I've actually never heard him. I see people talking about him. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, he's a perfect example of this worldly, um, you know, example of manliness, not obviously, uh, obviously not biblical manliness. Yeah. And we are called to be providers and protectors. Um, again, the, uh, the armor of God in, in Ephesians six describes to us the war, but the war is a spiritual war. Now, does that mean that we don't protect our wife and our children if um, if they're under attack. No, of course we do. As men, we step up and do that. And if there is a, a war that the country is being engaged in, we we don't we we don't uh, support sending women out to the front line to to fight for the country. Right? Men are to do that. And if men are called to do that, then they need to be prepared and equipped to do exactly that. They need to be physically fit. They need to. They need to be trained in arms. They need to know tactics and strategy that's uh, required for for doing that position. Um, but for the rest of us lay people, um, while there might be a, an instance where you have to physically defend yourself at some point in your life, 
the spiritual war happens every single day. And you need to be prepared to defend yourself, your family, against the attacks of the evil one, against the spiritual attacks that are all around us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you followed after the world, after the prince of the power of the air. So we know that the world, you, you follow Satan just by following the world. And, and you follow Satan just by following after the lust of your flesh and the lust of your mind. We know all that to be true. So the spiritual war, it, it all starts in the mind. If you just read through Ephesians and, and watch how often Paul talks about our understanding, our mind, um, being able to have wisdom and knowledge, he emphasizes that over and over and over again. Walk not like the Gentiles who are, who are futile in their thinking, darkened in their understanding, Right, so the spiritual war is always there. There may be times that you have to defend yourself. Maybe you've got to resort to arms. Um, I, I'm, I, I believe in the, the right to, to carry arms to be able to defend yourself and the family and your home and all that. Um, but the spiritual war is something that you could be physically prepared. You could be, you know, working out and trained in all that way, and then just be spiritually an absolute mess where you're not walking with Christ. You're not glorifying God in any any way. But as we mentioned, the opposite. You could be spiritually very healthy and, and even physically not able for whatever reason, maybe physically, maybe not even taking care of yourself, maybe the way you ought to. But spiritually, if you're walking strong, you're going to be useful for the spiritual war. And the uh, Ephesians, when Ephesians talks about we have to defend ourselves against the flaming arrows of the evil one, that's not talking about him taking away our salvation. He can't do that. But what he can do is make you useless for spiritual battle. So we we have to be careful about, yes, I think it's good to to exercise. I do. I exercise. I work out. And especially when we get to the age of 50, we know that, you know, it, it, physically there's there's more of a challenge to kind of maintain the same strength that we once had before. So so for those reasons, I think those are good ideas. Um, but it's it's not even close. It, don't put it on the same plane and make it equal to the need to being spiritually equipped. Any thoughts, Toby? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You know, it's um, how many times are you actually going to uh, be attacked? How many times are you going to physically need your strength? If if you're, you know, if you're looking at the course of a lifetime, maybe once, maybe twice, but yeah. the attacks of the enemy are every single day. And mm -hmm. that's what the Bible is encouraging us to uh, to be on guard against, to defend ourselves against, to fight against, you know, to to put to death the the lusts of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, um, the desires of the flesh. You know, those are the marks of spiritual maturity, not being able to, you know, bench press, you know, 300 pounds, 400 pounds. Because listen, if worldly men can do it, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> Then it yeah, can't be a right. measure of of biblical uh, manliness or biblical strength. Um, no, biblical strength is spiritual. Um, again, like you said, Eki, I have no problem with somebody being physically strong or physically equipped to uh, to handle themselves in battle. You know, I, I wouldn't want to send um, a soldier to war who wasn't yeah. trained to do that. Of course, right. but when Paul uses illustrations like that. Um, you know, he's not talking about physical war, right? Uh, he's talking well, about the spiritual war. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's talk, let's talk about spiritual protection for the family. That's, you know, you've been, we've talked about physical protecting the family, but isn't the husband's greater responsibility to mm -hmm. physically, I mean, to spiritually protect his wife and his children, to yep. lead them in a godly way, to protect them from false teaching. Isn't that why Paul told the uh, women at uh, Corinth to go home and ask your husbands? So how many of these, to me, I always wonder how many of these people that are touting, let's go work out. We need to be manly. Are you providing spiritual protection for your wife mm -hmm. and children? Right. Are you providing spiritual leadership for your wife and your children? If your wife is reading a book that uh, she shouldn't be reading or, or run, runs across something, is she coming with you and saying, Hey, is this okay for me to read? Is what do you know about this? Can she come to you for spiritual guidance for biblical guidance? Because that's, eternal those are eternal things that we're talking about which are much more important than the the brief the brief period of time that you can stay physically fit as, as he just said you know you hit a certain age 
you can work, you can pump as much iron as you want to, and it's just not going to do much. I mean, because our bodies are doing what God has designed them to do, and they're wearing out. So I'm always wonder. to me, that's just always a question in my mind when I read some of this uh, stuff on social media about we need to be physically strong and doing all this. Well, my question is, I, I don't, from what I'm, from what I'm seeing from your remarks, I'm, I doubt that you're spiritually qualified to even lead a family right now because that's, you can't talk about anything else. Yeah. I mean, this is a good yeah, litmus that, test here. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, if it, a lot of discipline goes into physical fitness, right? Um, if you were training the body correctly and you're working out certain muscle groups um, and, and things like that, uh, it, it's intentional. It, it takes time. You know, you're getting up early, you're, you know, drinking whatever, you know, eating healthy, all that kind of thing. I think a good litmus test is, are you putting more discipline into um, your own spiritual life in your prayer life, in your Bible reading, in your devotions, in time with family worship, than you are on 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 developing your body. Um, and, and I think if a lot of guys were honest, they'd probably answer that question no, right? Um, yeah. They're far more zealous uh, in the gym than they are in prayer. Um, if you can go work out for three hours and you can do that three, four times every week and you can have the discipline to do that, I really just want to know, do you spend an hour a week in prayer? Um, do you do you spend, you know, uh, time every day in the Bible? Um, and so I think those are good litmus tests for for some people who have gotten sort of swept up in in this uh, in this in this movement. Um, we should be far more disciplined in our spiritual life than we are, um, in, you know, concerning our physical life. And by all means, do both. But if you're neglecting, you know, like Morris was saying, you know, uh, time with your family and devotions and praying for your wife, um, praying for your kids, then there's something wrong. There's something off balance. Uh, jump in there, Eki. You were going to say something. Oh, I was just thinking, you know, when I've counseled many couples, uh, when there are marital issues, I can almost guarantee you that they're not in the word together. They're not praying together. Um, they're 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 not uh, meditating upon the word together, and that's usually one of the first things I would recommend spiritually that they need to be walking with Christ. They need to be in the word, but they also need to spend time praying for each other, with each other. And almost every time when couples do that, I see an immediate improvement just in their spiritual walk, and especially from the the, the wife's standpoint, uh, she feels like she's being spiritually led when the husband takes those steps. Whereas spiritually, she's not necessarily feeling led when the husband is simply just working out and getting strong. So the, the the safety that we need to be much more concerned about is really what's going on in the heart. And again, I just challenge you guys, read, read through everyone who's listening, read through Ephesians, watch how many times that Paul brings up the word mind or understanding or knowledge, you know, being renewed in the spirit of mind, things, things like that. And when we look at Ephesians 5, and he talks about husbands and wives, verse 25 says, Husbands, love, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. So Jesus Christ, his role for the church was sanctifying the church. He died for the church. But us as spiritual leaders to our wives, knowing that our wives have to submit to us, we have a great responsibility to lead them in godliness and, and to ensure that they are growing in the right way, that they are, um, that they are being properly equipped. And even when we think about Ephesians 4, and <clears throat> Nathaniel, you had brought that up earlier, how Paul had given to the church some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Well, what is that equipping? Well, pastors and teachers are not equipping the saints on how to use guns. Pastors and teachers are not equipping the the, the saints on, on how to work out. What are pastors and teachers doing? They're equipping the saints with regards to their understanding of God's word, that they may be prepared for spiritual warfare. So, same thing within a couple husbands the the greater need that your wife and your family has is that you're leading them spiritually well, that's yeah. kind of tying with what Eki's, what Eki's, what Eki's just said uh we need to spend as much time mortifying our sin as we do working on that weak bicep probably probably more right so uh, you spend. That's where you need to spend your time, and and I think 
it's a lot more difficult for me to admit that I have a sin area, a weakness that I need yeah. to work on versus, hey, I need, if I can do an extra 50 pushups this week, then I'm, you know, my biceps will be a, a little more toned. Any last thoughts, Toby, before we, or Eki, before we wrap up? I think we've covered it pretty thoroughly. Um, you know, the, the, the big issue is, just making sure that we are imitating Christ uh, and not the world, because that's where that's where all the confusion comes in. Is when you start thinking that you know uh, the the biblical model of of this is exactly what the worldly model looks like, and you know our 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 eyes are bombarded with the physical images everywhere we go, right? Commercials, TV shows, movies, magazines, everywhere, right? But in the scriptures, we find something very different. And so that's that's the value of being in scripture is you start to see those differences. So, um, you know, not to say that, uh, again, we need to be neglecting our physical bodies. Absolutely not. We're yeah. stewards of our physical bodies. But what the scriptures are instructing us to do uh, is spiritual, uh, you know, watching, guarding our hearts, guarding our minds spiritually. Uh, guarding our and protecting our families spiritually. Yeah. Amen. Well, yeah, and, and I, to the, go ahead, Nathaniel. Go ahead, Icky. Um, Yeah, yeah. I was just um, saying it, it is possible for us to be treating things like food and drink as being more important than our spiritual realities as well. At you know, we could make an idol out of just about anything. And we had a we had a podcast episode on the topic of gluttony. Um, I would not necessarily just assume that because someone is rotund or overweight that they're necessarily gluttonous, right? Uh, it, it doesn't take much, especially as you age, to to get overweight. And I've been around many godly men who I thought conducted themselves very responsibly in terms of um, in terms of what what they put into their body, and yet for whatever reason they they're just overweight. So there are, there's a lot of factors that can go into that. I don't make that assumption. But what I do want to see is, does that man love the Lord? Does that man know the Word of God? Does that man live according to that Word and show the priorities of Christ in his own actions? That's going to be the much more important measurement, whether you are acting like a man and being strong in the Lord or not. Amen. Well, guys, if you're listening to this, I hope you realize that our heart is to see you grow in grace and love for Christ and to exhibit a Christ-like nature. We're not trying to take pot shots at your favorite bodybuilder or your, you know, whoever you're following that's, you know, promoting this. And maybe you've been one of those that, um, you know, I hope after that, after this, you know, maybe some of you saying, all right, maybe I should kind of back off uh, a, a little bit. I've kind of gotten um, off focus. I, I mean, our, our heart is not to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, really, we want to see the body of Christ look like Christ. Um, and if we can help you grow in that way, then um, praise God for that. So, uh, yeah. So thank you for listening to this podcast. Hope it's been helpful. want to remind you, uh, you can find us on YouTube. So go and follow us there and uh, we'll have a lot of uh, good stuff coming up. So until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.